Welcome to week six of Big Sky Big Takes, a joint production of Montana Mint Sports and the Big Sky Podcast Network. You know the drill. This is an around-the-horn style show dedicated to the Big Sky Conference. Idaho State had an ongoing quarterback competition until Gunnar Amos retired from football this week. Weber State looks like the real deal with the big win over Northern Iowa. And oh boy, don't even get me started on the two Montana schools. Lots to dig into this week. And our panel is here to answer some questions. Uh, a couple new faces. First, from the R&R Cat Cast, a guy who seemingly sent golden koozies to every Montanan but me, Ryan Thorny Thornburg, and representing the Cal Poly Mustangs. Yes, the Cal Poly Mustangs, host of the fan, Fansmanship Podcast, Owen Maine. A couple of faces you recognize from the great state of Colorado, the color guy of the UNC Bears and co-host of the UNC Podcast, Troy and Aaron Bears all. From 1310 KFKA, Aaron Rath. And of course, a resident Grumpy Pants co-host of the wildly successful Grizz Fan Podcast. We have Mike Nugent. Guys, we're going to start. Question number one. I'm the host. I got to decide. We start with the Montana schools. This past weekend, UM 45, UC Davis 20. Huge win for the Grizz. Now, the other school in the state, the Bobcats, down 21 at half, but stormed back to beat Northern Iowa by an impressive margin, 49-31. Which of these wins is most impressive to you? Mike Nugent, let's hear what you have to say. I mean, it's absolutely the Grizz beating UC Davis on the road. UC Davis was ranked four in the country. That win propelled the Grizz into the top, top 10. They climbed 10 spots. The Cats were playing an unranked team at home. Yeah, the comeback was awesome and good for them. I was kind of amazed at the performance in their first half, but I even got cold take Nate to uh, concede that the Grizz victory was better than the Cats victory. <laughs> Aaron Rath, as a as a Colorado guy, what which of these two games were more, was more impressive to you? I'm going to have to agree. I think the Grizz win was way more impressive. First off, they beat a ranked team on the road. They held UC Davis scoreless for the first 25 minutes of that game. And let's face it, the Bobcats beat a dome team in cold weather. I would expect that to happen. <laughs> Ryan Thornburg, I have a feeling you may have a different answer here. Which game was more impressive? And are we watching the two top teams in the Big Sky when we watch the Bobcats and Grizzlies play? Well, I'm going to have to throw out my argument for the Bobcats being the more impressive win because how many other teams in the history of any level of football have overcome a 21-point deficit by basically running the ball 600 times in a row. That's just <laughs> insane stat right there. They held Case Cookus to his lowest quarterback rating, his lowest yardage, his lowest touchdown output of the season. I think that is a more impressive win just for the fact that the lined up ran the ball 22 times in a row at one point, not a lie, and still scored 49 straight points. Pretty unbelievable. Owen, talking Grizz and the Cats, I'm wondering, there's a big movement to get FCS, uh, an FCS game on ESPN game day. Do you think that game could be Cat Grizz this year? I mean, it should be. And and we know something down here in San Luis Obispo about running the ball 600 straight times. Um, <laughs> the, the, the biggest win, the biggest win from the game, I think, or from the weekend has to be the Montana win. I don't think it's close. UC Davis is so good. I, I really think they are the real deal this year. Uh, I think they're probably the de facto best team from California. And if you are, you usually have a chance to compete for the big sky title. Certainly the loss against Montana is going to hurt Davis. But uh, Montana State's dangerous. And uh, 
and nobody at Cal Poly is excited about you know them coming here this weekend to San Luis Obispo to uh, to face off against the Mustangs. All right, moving on. Uh, last week we let Chris Hammond from the Tubs at the Club podcast hype up Idaho after their big win over Eastern Washington. The Vandals then turned around and lost to Northern Colorado. Now, Aaron, we're going to do a uh, dive a little bit deeper in Northern Colorado in a moment. But following this game, what do you think we should make out of this Idaho team? Well, they're a good team. They just made really dumb, untimely mistakes at the end of the game. The two uh, personal foul penalties, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, one against the quarterback, one against the coach, by the way, father, son, were very (laughs) untimely. They're a good team. But they're going to struggle past this year. Their offense is all seniors. All their weapons are seniors. Their defense could live on. But I think that's why they're a middle-of-the-pack team. Owen, what do you think about the Vandals? I think, you know, with them, anything can and will happen. I think they're the conference wild card in a conference that has uh, some haves and have-nots, I think, that are already starting to separate themselves Idaho seems like that team where we're still not sure which they are. And I think anything can happen any week. Ryan Thornburg, Idaho Vandals. What should we, what should we make out of their pretty uh, uh, schizophrenic past two weeks? Well, I mean, do I think they're better than Northern Colorado? Yes. Do I think they're better than Eastern? Absolutely not. It's an interesting league. As you guys are talking about, nobody can overlook anyone. And I think that's probably perhaps what they did after their biggest win they've had since they joined the Big Sky. I just don't really know if they can sustain any sort of success. I see them finishing middle of the pack, maybe 7-5 at best. Mike Nugent, Idaho, is coming to Washington Grizzlies Stadium on November 9th. Should the Grizz be worried about this Vandal team? You know, I I think that Idaho's got a a Jekyll and Hyde thing going. They still think they are above the FCS. A lot of those guys were recruited to FBS programs. So they only get up for teams, for games that they actually think are good, like Wyoming and Eastern Washington. But Mm -hmm. then you look at some, I mean, they were losing to Central Washington (laughs) earlier in the year, you know, went and laid an egg at Northern Colorado. I just, I think that they'll get up for the Grizz because they think the Grizz are in a level with them. And I think that that's a problem right from their coaching staff on one of my favorite things is to watch idaho twitter talk about scheming their way back into the the fbs it is just not going to happen they are an average fcs team guys uh last question here in the first round both idaho state and cal poly those mustangs out of cal poly sit at two and two overall and one and oh in conference which of these two teams or which which of these two teams are we more likely to be talking about at the end of the season ryan thornburg I assume you mean talking about in a positive light because I don't think either one of these teams are going to be anywhere near the conference race at the end. They both have pretty tough schedules. I think Cal Poly is slightly easier, but I think Idaho State probably has the better team. But as a bet man, I would say Idaho State is more likely to make some noise because of the talent they have on offense. I just don't think either team is going to factor into the conference race other than potentially spoiling maybe someone else's bid. Aaron Rath, do you agree? I'm going to have to agree and disagree with Thorny because I think Cal Poly actually has the tougher schedule down the road. They got Montana State, UC Davis, SAC, and Eastern Washington remaining. Idaho State's got Montana, Eastern Washington, and uh, Weber State remaining of the top, what I would call the top tier of teams. I think Idaho State has a better shot at at spoilers simply because they run what I would call a college offense and have an opportunity to to spoil teams. It, 
with the option of Cal Poly, you either stop them or you don't. And uh, more teams are learning how to stop them. Oh, and Maine, what, how are folks feeling down on Cal Poly? Are we going to be talking about them at the end of this season? You know, I, I wrote down neither with a question mark as well. So props <laughs> to Thorny for asking that question. Um, but part of my th- part of my thinking is that uh, quarterback Jalen Hamler went down and missed the the end of the Cal Poly game this past week at Southern Utah uh, with an injury that he may or may not be back from this weekend. Um, Cal Poly's schedule, like you guys mentioned, they play. I was looking at the rankings today. Seven out of the eleven teams that they play this season um, are either ranked Pac-12 teams. Or receiving votes in the in the in the polls, and and that's part of playing in the Big Sky Conference. But um, when you look at Idaho State, they have the same uh, you know schedule in terms of playing a lot of you know really tough teams, really good teams, and. Um, and if you're kind of picturing, okay, if either of these teams are going to be making noise, they're going to have to beat what, like two, three, four of those ranked teams at some point during the season. And I, it's, it's while, while like you guys said, it's, it's easy to think about those teams maybe picking off one or two of those games from time to time. I don't know if either of them are going to win enough of those games against those ranked teams to be making any noise by the time the season's over. Mike Nugent, are you worried about either Idaho State or Cal Poly knocking on the grid's door by the end of the season? No, but it's more to one of my my classic rants that the Big Sky Conference team schedule so poorly in the preseason that that Idaho especially or Idaho State especially even if they have an above average Big Sky Conference season they probably have played themselves out of the playoffs just by not having anything impressive in the preseason. Um, Idaho State I also think if you were to rank each team's skill guys their receivers their tight ends and their running backs in the conference I and said you get them as a package deal. I think that Idaho State's guys might come off the board second in that hypothetical draft. So I think that that's something that might catch a few teams by surprise. All right. We brought you guys on because you're experts on your individual teams. I want to drill down on the four teams we have represented here today. Aaron, let's start with you. With UNC's victory over Idaho this past weekend, what's the outlook for the team in the next couple weeks? Was this a fluke or... Are you expecting something more out of this Bears team for the rest of the season? That's a great question. Actually, I I believe that that was exactly what the Bears should have been doing all along. Their offense was completely different against Idaho than it was going into that week. Against Idaho, they actually used passes over the top through the middle of the field. They used the entire field where coming into there that game, they had not been doing it. And that allowed running to happen. Milo Hall, 39 carries, 135 yards. Jacob Nip had a good game, 250 yards, two touchdowns. That's exactly what I would expect the Bears to do. Now they have a tough schedule coming up, obviously, with NAU this week on the road and then Eastern Washington after that. I would expect now if the Bears can keep that offensive style going that they have a very good shot at finishing 6-6 six and six at least. Yeah, it's the first, actually probably the first impressive game of the year from uh, Jacob Nip for, for the Bears. Uh, Mike, I want to talk to you. I'm super excited about this Grizz team. I couldn't be more excited. Very hyped up. Very excited watching the game this past weekend. But I have to keep reminding myself that we have been here before as Grizz fans. It seems like we've been here every year for the past three to five years. What makes this team different compared to Grizz teams of recent past? Well, I will say that compared to some of those recent ones where they started off hot, 4-1, 5-1, and 6-1, and I think the UC Davis win is a more impressive win than anything else they had, short of the North Dakota State win, 
Um, you know, they beat Northern Iowa a couple times ranked, but Northern Iowa is always a preseason phony. Um, UC Davis, you know, didn't lose a ton, was the defending Big Sky Conference champions. But I, I'm just going to go back to coaching. I mean, the difference in a practice with Coach Haug versus Coach Stitt is night and day. I mean, they are so detailed. They work on everything. Everything they talked about last year needed to build depth, build strength. They're, they've taken steps forward. I don't think that this season is going to be perfect by any stretch, but I don't see them falling off like they did last year. God, I hope you're right. And just down the highway, the Bobcats, Ryan Thornburg, look, Bobcats, very impressive 4-1 start, but there certainly are some holes in this Bobcat team. What are you more concerned about? Either slow starts that they've had throughout the season or their play at quarterback? It's a tough question to answer. I think both are extremely problematic right now. We have to kind of look at a bigger picture. I think MSU can keep winning the games right now with subpar quarterback play just because we're simply bulldozing teams in the second half, even if we get down a couple scores. However, if MSU can put a complete game together and not even play toe-to-toe in the first half and tie the first half, that really would bode well for not having to play this come-from-behind style that's eventually not going to work when all you can do is run the ball. So it's been a problem under Choate, the slow starts. But I think if you're talking about bigger picture, longer term here, the Bobcats have to have a quarterback who can at least make a few throws to convert a few first downs. Otherwise, they're not going to beat the teams when they run into a team with an elite defensive line and that they just can't bulldoze like they have been all year so far. Yeah, I mean, I always worry that it's going to catch up to them. It could catch up to them, but so far this season, the Cats have looked pretty good. Let's close this out with uh, our first time talking about Cal Poly in the drill-down section. Owen Main, uh, redshirt freshman quarterback Jalen Hamler. I want to know what what is his status, and what, from your perspective, what does he mean to the team's prospects moving forward into the heart of Big Sky play? Yeah, Jalen Hamler went down. I think it was something around his midsection, rib injury, something along those lines. Um, somebody texted me and let me know that he's, you know, likely to play, I would think. But but that that doesn't mean that he necessarily will. Those things are, are weird sometimes. And when you're the quarterback in a in a regular offense, you can do things like quick passes and get, getting the ball out. But when you're the quarterback in a triple option offense and you're your team's second leading rusher, you're the eighth leading rusher in the conference so far this year, um, you know, it's a little bit different story in terms of your ability to take a beating. Uh, the good news for Cal Poly and for Jalen is that he's built a little bit like a former Cal Poly quarterback, Andre Bradas, who um, had a lot of success here at Cal Poly. Jalen Hamler is a is a dynamic, unique player. Um, like I said, he's the second leading rusher. And one of the things that may help him moving forward is the return of Drew Hernandez and Cal Poly's rushing depth getting a little bit deeper in terms of using other guys that aren't Zooey Tran Sampson and Jalen Hamler um, and being able to spread the ball around. I think that'll be a real key this week against Montana State in terms of keeping a really good team on, on their heels and, and hopefully moving the ball if you're a Cal Poly fan. But to Cal Poly, I think Hamler really means everything. Uh, you saw uh, the backup come in last week, Jake Jeffrey, who has you know proven solid in practice. Um, he's he's had a lot of starting reps before, but it was during a one and and ten season a couple of years ago, um, and 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 so he's he's got some experience, but he's not the dynamic rusher that Hamler is. Um, he can throw the ball a little bit, um, and and if Cal Poly went to some kind of spread or something like that out of the shotgun, uh, I, th- I think Jake Jeffrey you know could could really throw the ball around and zing it around a little bit. But when it comes to uh, running out of the triple option, I think uh, 
I think Cal Poly's best bet is definitely with Hamler. He's got five touchdowns already this season and um, had two last week in Southern Utah. He might have to have a few more for Cal Poly to have a chance this weekend against Montana State, and that's you know given if he plays. So he, he really does mean a lot to that offense, and that offense really means a lot in terms of ball control and kind of controlling the tempo of the game to how Cal Poly plays in general. Yeah, no, I think Cal Poly is, uh, if they have, any chance against the cats, they're going to have to come into that game uh, almost entirely healthy uh, and have some luck at the end of it. Let's move on to our big sky fantasy builder. Uh, But before we do just want to give a shout out to our main sponsor, as you know, big sky, big takes is a joint production of Montana men's sports and the big sky podcast network. And we are proud to be sponsored by the Montana mint store. We would not be here if it weren't for the Montana mint and their store. We just love them. For those of us from Montana, anyone who's ever been to Montana, you know one thing about Big Sky Fashion, and that's if there's a cool design or a cool shirt or a cool hat uh, about Montana, within a few months, everybody's going to be wearing it. That drove our friends at the Montana Mint Store insane. So they started a new practice of doing limited runs of everything that the Montana Mint makes. If you order something from the Montana Mint, you can... uh, uh, buy confidently that there's only a small number of that design and color that were ever made, giving you a chance to stand out in the crowd. Check out all the Montana Mint uh, store gear today at montana-mint.com. All right, Big Sky Fantasy Builder, let's get through this quick, fellas. Uh, Everyone knows the rules, standard fantasy scoring. Uh, We go position by position. Uh, So, Round one, everyone's taking a quarterback. Round two, everyone's taking a running back. Producer Jerry randomized the order for every round uh, before we started here. We're going to start with quarterbacks, and we're going to start with you, Owen. Who are you taking as your fantasy quarterback for week five? You know, if, it, if you would have asked me this morning, I would have taken somebody different. But um, since somebody told me that Jalen Hamler's likely to play, um, I get to pick a running back and a quarterback. And when it comes to touchdowns, he doesn't throw a lot. But when Cal Poly does throw, they throw the ball down the field. So, you know what? Um, it's my first time on the, on the podcast, and I got to go straight homer pick uh, Jalen Hamler. A dual threat homer pick. Ryan Thornburg, are you taking Chris Murray? You know, crossed my mind real quick, and then I thought maybe maybe Casey Bauman, but you know what? I decided Case Cookus is my man on this one. Case Cookus. I love it. Aaron Rath, who do you got for quarterback? First off, I got to say, Owen, picking your own guys did not work out well for me a couple weeks ago, so keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Even though North Dakota's defense has played well, I believe that uh, UC Davis bounces back, and I'm taking Jake Mayer Meyer for my quarterback. <laughs> I love it. He made it all the way to the third pick. Mike Nugent, who do you got closing out the quarterbacks? You know, I, I was thinking the Meyer pick as well, and I'm going to, I love that he just said Mayer Meyer. You guys have started a trend. Um, with that said, <laughs> I am going to take the best quarterback in the Big Sky Conference, Dalton Sneed. That's my boy, Mike Nugent, sucking up before we get to the showdown. Dalton Sneed goes number four. And Mike, we're coming back to you around on a snake draft type situation. Who are you taking number one for your running back? Along the themes of, I think, UC Davis is having a big bounce back this week. I'm taking Ulonzo Gilliam from Davis. Gilliam from UC Davis. Uh, Aaron Rath, who do you got? Well, I thought about taking him, but I didn't know if I wanted the pair of UC Davis players, so I'm glad you took him and made me not have to think about him. I'm going to go with Antoine Custer from Eastern Washington. 
the first eagle off the board and it took halfway through round two. Uh, Ryan Thornburg, who do you got for your running back? You know, it's not a great matchup for him, but I feel like they're going to have to go to the ground a little bit more in this game. I'm going to go with Marcus Knight. I hate to say it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Let's get all the Grizz out there. Owen Main, closest out in running back. You guys, I wrote down four names, and you took three of them. And <laughs> and I guess I got to go Homer again. I don't know. I, I, I figured somebody <laughs> might take the, the Cal Poly fullback, but but maybe not. You know, uh, Zui Tran-Sampson showed a lot in the first week, and had, they, they started going to him last week a little bit more. And I think uh, Cal Poly at home is going to really try to get that running game going. Uh, I think, you know, having Hamler and, and Tran-Sampson, it seems weird having two guys from the same team. But when you run the ball... I don't know, 8,000 times in a game, uh, you know, there's plenty to go around. So let's go. And, and it's pronounced Zooey, Zooey Trans-Sampson. All right. Yeah. Be sure to send the spelling of that to Chris Hammond and I after this so we can get it right for the Fantasy Builder. <laughs> Moving on to round three, wide receivers, Ryan Thornburg. You got the number one pick. I think it's going to be a sh- possible shootout with Idaho State, so I'm going to go with another Grizz, Sammy Akim. <laughs> Loading up on the Grizz, our only cat fan on the podcast, Mike Nugent. Did he take Sammy Kemp from you? Who are you taking number two? You know, we know the cats think the Grizz are good when they're picking them in fantasy. Um, I am picking uh, Pierre Williams. All righty. Owen Maine, who do you got? Listen, I can't pick J.J. Koski, although I kind of want to. <laughs> Let's go Brandon Porter from Northern Arizona. Okay, thank God. Thank God we got some diversity. Aaron Rath closes us out on wide receivers. Man, I can't believe there's so many good ones on the board still. I am actually going to take Connor from Idaho State simply because Montana is the worst defense in the league against the pass. That's your money ball in this thing, Aaron. That's a good pick. Uh, and then Flex, we're going to close it out uh, for fantasy builder Mike Nugent. Who are you going to take as your flex position? I am going to take the leading non-kicker scorer in the league, Joe Logan from Northern Arizona. Joe Logan. All right, number two pick for flex, Owen Maine. Who do you have? Let's go Kevin Thompson from Sac State. Good pick. Nice, safe pick. Aaron Rath. So I'm trying to decide if I go one way or the other. I don't think I'm going to take a UNC player because I did that a couple weeks ago and it didn't work out well, even though I think Milo Hall has a great game against NEU. I'm going to take uh, Jeff Cotton from Idaho. I think they get up against Weber State, and he is a tough cover. He is a tough cover. That's a great pick in the last round. Then Ryan Thornburg, you are closing us out. I can't go this whole podcast without picking a player I think is going to shred up the grizz. I'm going with my boy Mikey Dean. All right. Mikey Dean. Uh, all right. I'm looking. All right. So fantasy builder will post that on Twitter. You can vote for your best team, uh, your favorite team, who you think's best. We're going to be keeping track of the score. You can see who wins and we're keeping track of the scores throughout the entire season. So check out big sky podcast network, Twitter account to follow along. They're looking over at producer Jerry. I have bad news for Owen. He was in the finals, but that phone trouble that he just had knocked him out. <laughs> Our finals this week, a couple old hands here, Mike Nugent, Aaron Rath, moving on to the showdown. Question number one, fellas. Eastern Washington is traveling to Sacramento State this weekend, and the Las Vegas line opened with the Eagles as a one-and-a-half-point underdog. 
Who do you like in this game? Aaron Rath, let's start with you. I'm going to take the unpopular pick. I'm going Sac State at home. Eastern Washington likes the cold and the red, and Sac State is hot and the carpet is green. What is happening? Mike Nugent, do you agree? Who are you taking in this game? I do not. I think Eastern is not going to have two terrible road failures in a row. Sac State may be on the up and up, but they need to prove it by something more than that. I am taking the Eastern Washington Eagles, who I despise. All right. Uh, the, uh, UC Davis, they're fresh off a loss to Montana. Uh, they're traveling this week to independent North Dakota, but those games count as conference games, remember. Who do you like in this game? Mike Nugent. Uh, Davis with a big bounce back. They're letting the world know that they're serious. Mayor Meyer's a senior. He's not going to go out like this. They're going to make the playoffs, and it starts this week. It'd be a big loss, too, for North Dakota because they're a fringe playoff team, get one of those out – uh, you know, one of those auto or non-auto bid teams out of the playoff picture, two losses. That'd be nice. Aaron Rath, uh, who do you like in this Davis, Davis, North Dakota game? I'm going to have to agree. I think it's UC Davis. I think Mayor Meyer throws for over 400 and I think Gilliam runs for over a hundred on a defense. That's tough, but, uh, UC Davis blows out North Dakota in the Alaris center. I should have known that with, uh, your, with your Mayor Meyer pick, uh, for quarterback, question three in the showdown, Grizz punter Adam Wilson was named the FCS National Special Teams Player of the Week. Not the Big Sky Player of the Week, the FCS National Special Teams Player of the Week. How excited should we as fans get about good punting Aaron Rath? I think we should be real excited about it, especially in a conference like the Big Sky where teams are are battling it out every week. A punter has the opportunity to flip the field and put their defense in a good position. So I love good punting. Mike Nugent, how pumped should we be about good punting? You know, there was some great punting this week. Jared Padamos from Montana State. Uh, Doug Lloyd from Weber State, who's who won the Big Sky Conference Player of the Week with Wilson getting the National Player of the Week. Uh, fans should be ecstatic about big punting because it makes such a big difference on the games. Hitting teams inside the five to 10 yard line is almost as exciting as scoring a touchdown. Almost. I don't know if it's as exciting, but it is as important sometimes. Uh, last question here, kind of a weird slate of games this week. I'm not going to let you pick the Grizz or the Bears, but what game on the schedule are you most looking forward to? Mike Nugent. You know, I'm actually looking forward to that Eastern Washington-Sac State game just because we're either going to see if Eastern is who they've they've always been in the recent history if we're gonna, or we're going to see if Sac State is for real under their first-year head coach. Aaron Rath, what game are you watching this week besides those Bears? Well, that game was going to be my, my favorite one, but I'm going to go with Idaho State at Montana. I think this is a game where Idaho State gets pumped up. They've got something to prove, and I think this is a game where it shows what type of team Montana is, if they're the top tier like we talked about earlier or if they're on the fringe of the top tier. Yeah, Coach Fennessy is definitely going to have his guys fired up. I, I don't know the scores, but I feel like in the past five years, there's just been a lot of really close Grizz uh, Bengal games. Uh, all right. Looking at Jerry, he's plugging in those last responses into his algorithm. It's a giant spreadsheet that his computer can barely handle. And I got good news for Grizz fans. He's signaling the champion this week. 
Mike Nugent from the Grizz Fan Podcast. Mike, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to talk about whatever you want. You know, we are talking about instant replay this week. You know, I, I used to love that the that the Big Sky had gotten with the times and gotten this in there. But the reality is they haven't gotten with the times. They're just doing it because everybody else has. Instant rate replay of the Big Sky Conference is borderline terrible. Um, I don't believe the refs understand that they have to have clear and convincing evidence to overturn <laughs> calls. Almost every week you see a call where it's like they couldn't prove that it was the call was correct on the field, so they'll call it incomplete or something like that. And it's like that's not how instant replay is supposed to work. They have delayed buzzes. The Grizz actually scored a touchdown on a play this week that got waved off because they had to review if he scored a touchdown on the previous play. And then they said, nope, he didn't. So the Grizz had to score again. And they're not reviewing close plays, like things that actually matter in close games. It's, they're, they're not reviewing them. It makes absolutely no sense. The Big Sky, add this to the list of shit you got to fix. Well, and watching these games, seeing the camera angles, especially on a lot of kind of like the Portland State type games, what are the refs even looking at? There's a lot of times the cameras are never even focused uh, on the field. I agree with you, Mike. Let's figure out this replay thing. And also tell the fans where they can find you on Twitter and where they can listen to your pod. Um, you can find me um, at Mike M. Nugent on Twitter or at GrizzFanPod. Um, there we are on the Montana Mint Sportscast as well. So you can find our, uh, our feed right there. And a lot like his Bears, Aaron Rath made some noise tonight, making it all the way to the finals. Aaron, where can folks find you on Twitter? So I'm at Aaron Rath underscore UNC. We have a podcast. You can find us on 1310kfka.com. Love it. Owen Maine, thanks for coming. Representing the Cal Poly Mustangs. Where can people find you online? Yeah, on Twitter at fansmanship. That's with an S in the middle, fansmanship. Also on Instagram at fansmanship. I'm a photographer, so... A lot, of, a lot of sports pictures there, a lot of pictures of Cal Poly stuff. And uh, that's the best place. You can find the Fansmanship podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find podcasts. Ryan Thornburg, close us out. Where can people find you on Twitter, and where can they get one of these golden koozies? To get a golden koozie, just follow us on RRCatCast. It's on Twitter. Tweet at us, and uh, we'll hook you up with the golden koozie. Love it. All right. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next week for episode number seven.